Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, President and General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. Our goal has always been to make the car buying process easy. So when we couldn't serve you in person, we found a different solution. CMA's Easy Purchase. It's simple. All you have to do is head to cmascolonialhonda.com, select your vehicle, secure your financing, value your trade-in, and select the delivery location. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com. Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061, the show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sports King. Alongside my producer, Ben Malin, I'm the Sports King, Jamie King. Hope you had a great weekend. We've got some things to go through. Uh, Mike Neville will be joining us shortly, of course, offering his unique take. We're going to talk about uh, the NFL, going to break down division by division, and get his thoughts about the NFL, we'd like to hear from you as well. 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. Over the weekend, uh, we'll get into the NASCAR here in a little bit, as well as some other things that were exciting. The UFC is something that was uh, definitely on play uh, on Saturday night. And I'm telling you right now, I'll talk about this a little bit later in the show. But the champion in the women's division, Amanda Nunes, was just phenomenal. And I'll get to that after a while. And uh, we've got so much to cover. Hope you had a restful weekend. I know uh, the country is still healing and will continue to heal in so many ways. Of course, the pandemic aspect, uh, we hope. Uh, my biggest hope is with all the protesting and so forth and so many people so close together that there isn't another major spike that somehow – uh, people are protecting themselves and can be safe uh, and protesting safe. And we're seeing a lot of things throughout the country. A lot of conversation is more conversation now, I think, than there's ever been. And that's a great thing when you hear everyone's voice. We want to go now to our great friend, uh, the owner of MHN Productions, a guy that's been a longtime broadcaster, a guy that actually got me started in this business. And he always tells me, don't blame me for that. No, I'm just kidding. Our good friend, Mike Neville, joins us. Mike, welcome back to Sports King. Good morning, King. How are you? Uh, King is good. King is good. It's good to be the King, my man. And uh, I wanted to start with you. Uh, the biggest story maybe this weekend, what caught your eye? Uh, was it NASCAR, UFC? Was there a news note? What really captured you over the weekend? Something or maybe something you're looking forward to? 
Well, I guess, uh, you know, as far as sports news, there wasn't a whole lot. But, uh, you know, NASCAR, of course, uh, is uh, right up there. Is, uh, you know, they're the, uh, the sport that got it going. And uh, so I think they uh, would be the ones, uh, I guess, that would have the spotlight. And I guess the one that would do uh, I, I don't follow the UFC, to be honest with you, quite as closely as I should. Uh, but uh, I guess NASCAR with uh, Happy Harvick winning and, uh, you know, holding off Kyle Busch, uh, who's one of the more uh, more talented drivers in the circuit. So I think NASCAR. NASCAR with that win by uh, Harvick was, uh, I think it's his second of the season. So I think that was right up there at the top. Yes, of course. Kevin Harvick winning his third race at Atlanta Motor Speedway on Sunday. He celebrated the victory the same way he did the first two. He dominated on both ends of the uh, Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 to win his second race of the season after taking his first checkered flag of 2020 in May at Darlington Raceway. Uh, Harvick, a guy that is just a uh, beloved by most of the guys out there, and, and I know uh, I have family who loves the guy, just his attitude. He seems like one of those drivers is always in contention. Your take on Kevin Harvick and his development through the years. Well, Jamie, it's one of those guys that you've seen mature over the years. You remember he had a very difficult situation because he was the one uh, that was tabbed to uh, replace the late Dale Earnhardt, and uh, Harvick came in and was a little bit cocky at the beginning. Still is, uh, but he has matured to the point where he's uh, one of the uh, top spokesmen now for the NASCAR drivers. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's amazing to see his fan base grow. I've got a couple of friends that are huge Kevin Harvick fans, and I just think he's great for the sport, and uh, I don't mind at all seeing him win, especially don't mind it when he holds off uh, Kyle Busch, who is not one of my favorite <laughs> drivers. But, uh, yeah, I like to say I've really uh, been, admired his uh way that he has uh, matured uh, on the NASCAR scene. And, uh, you know, he's really become a tremendous uh, week in and week out. You can also almost pencil him for a top five finish every week. He's uh, he's that talented and that good. And uh, so but the main thing I've st- uh, struck, stuck out in my mind is uh, the fact that he has uh, matured over the years, which is, you know, what you hope to see in any athlete. It took 17 years after Harvick's first win at Atlanta for him to drive to victory lane again. But uh, he did at the beginning of 2018 when he celebrated again with his three-finger salute to Dale Earnhardt. The thing about the guy that surprises me, he's so young-looking, but 17 years ago. I mean, he's been at it quite a long time. And as you've seen, the development of Kevin Harvick, I think, as you say, the maturity. And a lot of these guys get in there early, want to take it by storm, and really don't pay attention to anybody around them. And they're kind of bold in a china shop. But he's grown and matured, and definitely fans really respect him. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he still drives for Stuart Haas. I may be wrong in that, but uh, I think he still is hooked up with Tony Stewart. And, uh, you know, uh, that was uh, when that happened, there was some uh, one people wondering about egos and so forth, but it, they seemed to mesh, and uh, it's worked out well for him. And, uh, again, uh, I wish uh, Dale Earnhardt was alive to uh, to see NASCAR. Of course, he'd be a little bit older. I'm not sure if he'd still be driving, but, uh, he, you know, I think Earnhardt would somehow have his uh, hands in NASCAR, but I, I'm not sure he would uh, – you know, like all the corporate stuff that's going on and how the uh, the uh, folks that have gotten NASCAR, the grassroots folks, uh, how they've kind of been shunned with uh, these corporate sponsors and ticket prices and so forth. But uh, like I say I'm a Harvick fan, and uh, I don't mind uh, when he uh, puts it into victory lane. Well, I would like my producer, Ben Maitland, to give me a little Ric Flair on this one because this weekend – Fox Sports has, of course, the Super 6, and this was up to 80,000. The Sports King went ahead, and I analyzed it, put my drivers in order of finish, and do you know I finished out of 109,237th place, and in that 99% exactly percentile, 
picking three out of six of the finishers. So felt good about that. So wasn't total so, victory, so, but so at least I, I did, basically didn't quite. Basically, you're throwing a dartboard. That's how you came, uh, came up with that. Yeah, right? well, then again, <laughs> don't give away my trade secrets. Hey, want to turn our attention to the National Football League. A lot of things happening there. Very fluid situation. Want to break down the conference by conference, starting with the NFC. And I want to go to the NFC West, Mike. Get your thoughts on that. We've got the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals. Of course, the Cardinals getting better. They're getting some key player additions. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins among them. Uh, great draft for them. The Rams, uh, you know, the Rams with Sean McVay, always talented. Seattle Seahawks, you know what they have with Pete Carroll and that team, always a talented team. When we look at uh, the top of that division, the Niners 13 and 3, Seahawks were 11 and 5, Rams 9 and 7. Arizona Cardinals five and ten. Is this a division in the West? You feel the Niners are going to continue their dominance for several years, or do you expect somebody to come up and overtake them this year? Or do you still think it's the Niners to lose? Well, when I examine uh, teams and examine conferences and so forth, I always look at coaching. And of course, Kyle Shanahan taking his team to the uh, Super Bowl last year, very talented, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. There's the, the question mark about his uh, talents. I think he's a very uh, on the intermediate and short uh, passes, he's pretty accurate, but uh, getting questions about the deep ball. They did lose Emmanuel Sanders from a wide receiver uh, position, so you got to wonder. But I still think they're the top of that division. But, you know, Seattle, another team well-coached uh, with Pete Carroll and, of course, Russell Wilson, one of the most exciting and dynamic players in the National Football League, and uh, rebuilding a little bit uh, the defense. Uh, but uh, I, I think those two, once again, will be at the top. The Rams are kind of, uh, you know, I think they put themselves in salary cap jail with uh, some of the uh, contracts they've handed out. So I think they're a little, uh, that's hindering them just a little bit. Uh, and then again, the question about Jared Goff, you know, got a huge contract, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to live up to that. And uh, Arizona, uh, again, second-year coach, uh, and again, a tremendous talent at the quarterback position. Uh, and again, the, the uh, addition of DeAndre Hopkins certainly is going to help. Uh, they got Jordan Phillips, who played for Buffalo last year. So uh, there's some pieces there. But I think this is still San Francisco and Seattle at the top to uh, who will buy for that top spot in the NFC West. When you look at the Niners, Mike, at home six and two, road seven and one, division five and one, conference ten two and zero. Oh, I mean, these guys consistent home or away. I just still don't like Kyle Shanahan in any big game scenario. I just don't think he always comes through. It's just my take there. But I agree with you. The Seattle Seahawks are going to be in the mix. The Rams and Sean McVay, that team, as you said, salary cap issues throughout. And Arizona, I think, will make an incremental leap this year with Hopkins. And Kyler Murray, a guy exciting. He's getting better, working hard. I can see him moving up, but I still, as you agree with me, the Niners are the class of that division. Let's turn our attention to the NFC North. Of course, uh, the Packers thirteen and three last year. Minnesota ten and six. The Bears eight and eight, and the Lions three and twelve. Matt Patricia to me should be a coordinator at best. I have gone on record. I don't think he's a head coach. I don't think he has what it takes in terms of leading this team. Uh, I just don't see it. I know he's a coordinator and can really bring a lot of defensive side. It's where he should be. But some guys just aren't meant to be a head coach. I see him on the sidelines, and I don't see the changing uh, in terms of on-the-fly changes that guys like the Joe Gibbs of the world would make uh, when you see something and you do the adjustments. The in-game adjustments are his detriment, I believe. I just don't see a lot there. He's getting some, you know, Jeff Akuda, the outstanding uh, defensive back from Ohio State. Additionally, the Lions should be better, Matthew Stafford, but 3-12, and I can't see a big jump there. The Bears, 8-8. Eight and eight. 
you know, Trubisky or Nick Foles. Now, Nick Foles, with the Super Bowl experience, could be and should be the starter if it was me. Mike, I think we might have lost Jamie there. We'll let you go, and um, we'll take a commercial break here on uh, Sports 106.1 here on the Sports King Show, and we'll try to get Jamie back. Mike, thank you for the time, as always, man. Hi, this is Bart Oat, Super Bowl champion, center from the New York Giants. You're listening to the Sports King Show with Jamie King on Sports 106.1. You're listening to a man whose future is so bright, he's got to wear shades. The Sports King on Sports 106.1. And welcome back, everyone. Sports King on a Monday morning. Sorry for that small technical difficulty. We got you back. We thank you for staying with us on this Monday morning. And uh, was joined by Mike Neville. Hopefully, he'll be returning shortly. Want to let you know that uh, we were in discussion when we went to break there. The NFC North, uh, which I was talking about, the Green Bay Packers, the class of that division. The Packers, 13-3. and three. You look at what they did overall. They were 7-1 and one at home, 6-2 and two on the road, 3-1 and one in conference. So uh, they ended the year at five-game winning streak. So they were really humming along there and a team that easily could do it again. But you have a little strife now in the locker room. you got Jordan Love coming in there. You have Aaron Rodgers, who didn't publicly really blast the move, but you say to yourself, hey, I need help if I'm going to win this thing. I need some key help around me, receiver, running back. You need to strengthen those things for me. He's not knocking the fact that they went out and got a quarterback, but the key is they don't need a quarterback as much as he needs some key personnel and weaponry for Aaron Rodgers. So the situation there, the Packers were on top 13 and three, the Vikings 10 and six, the Bears eight and eight. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, in terms of the NFC North, the wild card in this division for me, the Chicago Bears. The Bears have talent on both sides of the ball. What they don't have in Mitch Trubisky is a rock solid quarterback. He is average at best, has been average at best will not take you anywhere. This guy is not a championship-caliber quarterback. Might be a good fill-in, a guy that might win a game here and there, and if that's good enough for you, go ahead and sign him if you want to sign him to a long-term deal. And I know you're saying, wait a minute, he was a heralded guy out of North Carolina. He's a guy that should have a lot of uh, oomph to his career. But for whatever reason, when you look at the situation with Mitch Trubisky as we were rejoined by Mike Neville, sorry for the technical difficulty, Mike, but I'm looking at that NFC North with the Packers on top, the Vikings, Kirk Cousin, you know what he is. Uh, and no, I don't like that. Chicago Bears of Mitch Trubisky, of course, Nick Foles there, Detroit Lions. So when I look at this, it could be all Packers all the time, but the wild card to me is if the Bears get that quarterback play they need and Nick Foles who's been there done that in terms of MVP of a Super Bowl the Bears could leapfrog up there and I'm not saying to start uh, printing playoff tickets yet for Chicago but a team that could make a tremendous rise are you on board with me on that wild card issue with Nick Foles yeah, I, I definitely think it would be Nick Foles over uh, Trubisky. I, I never could understand why Trubisky was drafted so high. I, I wasn't impressed with him in North Carolina. And uh, Foles, I've always liked Foles and you know, liked what he did with Philadelphia, getting them that Super Bowl. And uh, I, and I'm not sold on Green Bay. I mean, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's, he's a strange dude. And, uh, of course, with them drafting Love in the first round uh, as the heir apparent, uh, that didn't set too well with Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think they did him any favors by not drafting uh, 
a, a wide receiver or two as deep as the wide receiver class was in the draft. Uh, so I think there's a little friction there between Rodgers and the front office. And uh, they had, of course, a great year last year under their first-year coach. But uh, I could see Chicago moving up in the standings and uh, challenging Minnesota and even challenging Green Bay for the top spot. But again, with that defense, but again, uh, they need a little bit more consistent play at the quarterback position. And Minnesota's going to be very tough. Uh, you know, I know you're not a big Kirk Cousins fan, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, that running game of Dalvin Cook, uh, although losing Stephon Diggs, you know, trading him, uh, I'm not sure what the reasoning behind that was. I'm certainly glad they did, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. And Detroit, you mentioned Patricia, and uh, the guy it just has that Bill Belichick uh mood you know he just looks unhappy all the time and I agree with you I think he's better off as a coordinator I feel bad for Matthew Stafford because I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks injuries the last few years he's getting up there in age uh, injuries have uh, derailed his career a little bit but uh, and I think there even there was some talk earlier in the offseason about maybe they were shopping him around but uh, I like Matthew Stafford and I feel for those Detroit fans because they seem to always get off to a decent start and then watch it uh, fall down the tubes uh, as the season wears on but uh, I guess, uh, like you say, I guess Green Bay would have to be the favorites. But I, uh, I think there's problems with Rodgers in the front office, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have a new uh, uh, head of the class in the NFC North. Our special guest, Mike Neville, longtime broadcaster, contributor to the Sports King Show, and we're covering the NFL division by division. Let me tell you my take on this Green Bay situation. I liken this to Jerry Krause and the Chicago Bulls. If you watched that last dance situation, the fact that there was such a disconnect between Jordan and the hierarchy at the top of the playing division in terms of players there versus management, it's like they were at odds with each other all the time. Here's what I don't get, and this is one thing I think in terms of what I would love to do if I was in a management position, you have to be able to, and I'm not saying go to every player at the top of the food chain and say, hey, what do you think about this, what do you think about that, but you need to sit down as a staff and then bring somebody in that's been there like Aaron Rodgers for so long, won a Super Bowl for him, done great things for him, and say, Aaron, you know, what's the key? What do you feel from your perspective, not saying we're going to be able to do that, but what do you feel we're short on in terms of player development, in terms of players that need to help you get where you need to go? And if he says, hey, look, I would love another top-end receiver or running back, I'm not saying that's the way you go, but you get his buy-in. Then to go out and get a Jordan Love and you bring a guy in, and like the Beatles said, all you need is love. That's a little reference. <laughs> everybody. But you go back and get Jordan Love and you say to yourself, okay, uh, damn the quarterback, hell with his feelings. We don't care. We're going to go ahead and do what we want to do. Don't even talk to the guy. Don't tell him. And then he has to watch it and say, wait a minute, you know, that's a head scratcher. I need a receiver. I need a running back. But there's no communication. I think that ends up, as you say, fracturing that locker room and now causing some problems in Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I'm not so sure they couldn't have waited on getting love. I don't think, you know, uh, even in the second round, I think they could have uh, drafted him. I just think uh, – you know, you sit there, but like I say, as deep as the receiver depth was this season and or this year, all season of the draft. I mean, I just don't know how you ignore uh, some of those talented players, and that's certainly what you know. We've seen Aaron Rodgers kind of. Uh, do it with not the greatest of receivers. You know, of course, Randall Cobb is gone now. Uh, he does have Devontae Adams. Uh, Jimmy Graham's not quite as effective as he was in the past, but, you know, he desperately needs help. And uh, like I say, uh, you just don't mess with Rodgers' emotions like that. And, uh, you know, you want your quarterback to be happy because he's uh, the face of the franchise. And I just, uh, I'm with you. I think this, uh, that's going to fracture that situation a little bit. That's why I'm, I think they're going to take a step back in the NFC North. I couldn't agree more. Let's turn our attention, Mike, to the NFC East. And, of course, you've got this past year 
the Eagles at nine and seven on top, then the Cowboys eight and eight, the Giants, the G-Men four and twelve, and don't judge it. Well, I guess we're going to judge the Giants with Joe Judge as the head coach there. I don't see that, but it is what it is. He's going to be their new head coach, and then the Redskins bringing up the rear three and thirteen. Man, I, I just almost. I feel like the Indian in that commercial years ago in the seventies with the tear running down your face on uh, overlooking the uh, the trash and so forth. Uh, that commercial uh, so iconic. I remember that, and uh, that's what I feel when I look at the Redskins here in terms of what they've done. Just abysmal. One and seven at home, two and six on the road. <laughs> Just equal opportunity losing everywhere you go. One point one six seven winning percentage. And, of course, just abysmal in all ways. Ron Rivera hopefully going to turn that trend around. Redskins at the bottom. The Giants now, of course, getting some key pieces. The Cowboys with Dak Prescott, his situation in flux. Uh, They're going to get the deal done. If not, it'll be the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. But is this the Eagles division still? Do you think the Cowboys uh, can overtake them this year? Who do you see emerging from the NFC East or, as many think, the NFC least? Yeah, I uh, you know when you look on paper, I mean the Dallas Cowboys are the most talented team in that division. Uh, but the Prescott situation is interesting, especially now with regard to you know questions about next year's salary cap. Is it going to go down? Because are there going to be fans? Are they going to lose revenue from a fan base uh, standpoint? And if that's the case, can you know they're they're almost in salary cap jail too because uh, they shelled out big money for Amari Cooper. They shelled shelled out big money for other people, Elliot Ezekiel Elliott. So in Dallas you know, for some reason wants to be paid 40 to 45 million a year. And I don't see him being worth that. But uh, again, I think that's a situation that's uh, boiling and uh, you know, they should have got things should have had this done a couple of years ago, in my opinion, if you want the guy around. And uh, so I think that's uh, simmering. And uh, so I think that's going to affect the Cowboys a little bit, Uh, but on paper, they're the most talented team in this division. Uh, But again, I go back to coaching. Uh, again, of course, Mike McCarthy. I, I don't know how that McCarthy-Jerry Jones relationship is going to work out because McCarthy, kind of like Parcells as far as egos go, and uh, you know he's not going to be a yes man, I don't think, like Jason Garrett was. So I think you're going to see some problems there develop as well. And uh, I think the Eagles, uh, when I look at coaching, I would put Doug Peterson at the top of that list in that division. And um, again, Carson Wentz has to stay healthy for them to be successful. Uh, they got problems at running back. They had to use a uh, running back by committee late in the season last year uh, all Sean Jeffrey getting up there uh, in age and so forth so again uh, some question marks uh, they're getting a little long in the tooth but I still think they're the top of that division Giants first year coach we've seen what happens with first year coaches not very you know do not have a lot of success uh, that's why everybody when they last year was you know raving about Cleveland People forgot so that Kenny uh, Freddie Kitchens was a first-year coach, and it just didn't mesh. And the Redskins with Rivera, they're going to be better. Uh, in fact, uh, a buddy of mine here at uh, where I work says that he thinks the Redskins are playoff contenders, and he says that because the Redskins are not on national TV. They play, I think, all their games are one o'clock except for the Thanksgiving Day game. And he said that the last time that happened, I did not know this. Joe Gibbs was the coach, and they went to the playoffs. So he thinks the Redskins, because of that, having that steady 1 o'clock game, except for the Thanksgiving situation, are going to be much better. So, uh, well, what's your take on that, Sports King? 
Well, I'll tell you what, right now, I've said it from day one, you can't win without a trigger man. And Dwayne Haskins Jr., Kyle Allen in the quarterback room now, might shake him up in the bag. you got two 500 guys right now, a young developing quarterback you're not sure about. He's lost some weight in the offseason, working hard. I'm hearing all kinds of great things about the time he's putting in. But does that time equate to victories? I just don't know if he's the guy that can take us and how long will the leash be in terms of how long do you let this guy run with his team? Uh, do you give him uh, enough latitude to make it happen? Do you go with him the whole year and just say, hey, this is another learning curve year? Redskin fans are sick of that. I don't see a playoff in our future unless Haskins has a major uh, bounce back from last year. Of course, it was a, a learning experience his first year, but if he bounces back and has a really takeover type year yes potentially but i don't know if the sum of the team in terms of pieces with the draft other than chase young defensively he'll keep them in some ball games win some maybe we shouldn't win but i just don't know if they got enough offensive pieces to go the distance there but i will say this and this sickens me to say as a non-cowboys fan but cowboys fans rejoice C.D. Lamb on the outside, Amari Cooper on the other side, Ezekiel Elliott, that big offensive line, and Mike McCarthy, as you mentioned, Mike, the key there. He is an offensive great. He knows how to call plays. He knows how to set people up in terms of uh, attacking uh, uh, blitzes off the edge. He knows how to attack soft spots and zones. He has really been preparing for this opportunity. I think that is the key there, and I see the Cowboys Dare I say this, but I see them taking a quantum leap up. I also see Zach Prescott, if he does play and start, which he is expected to, to take another monumental step forward in his career. So I see the Cowboys right now, sad to say this, as a class of that league, and I see them overtaking the Eagles because of Mike McCarthy. Now, if Garrett's there, it's like Tony Romo. I never worried because they would self-destruct at some point. You knew it. But with McCarthy's championship pedigree, I think he and Jones will find a way to get it along. But I do see them – uh, moving up in terms of the class of that league. And, of course, Freddie Kitchens, you mentioned, from Cleveland. I think he's work- working in a kitchen at this point somewhere uh, around the country because he lost his job in very quickly there in Cleveland. That act uh, wore very uh, wore out very quickly there. Our last team in NFC South, we're with Mike Neville, and we're going through all the divisions and teams. Uh, let's go to New Orleans, 13-3, and Atlanta, 7-9. and Tampa seven and nine and Carolina five and eleven. So this division here is the one that's probably going to have the most eyes on it in terms of what can happen. Of course, Atlanta, you don't know. Dan Quinn brought back after going one and seven out of the gate, Mike, and then he ends up on a big winning streak. Seems like they always rally for him at the end, but they don't play for him for every game, which is something you want from an ownership standpoint. Why they won't play for him, I just don't get it. Matt Ryan, of course, always a tough quarterback, tough competitor. Of course, Tom Brady. Tampa Bay, Rob Gronkowski, they're expected to be much better. Don't know if it's going to be playoff better. And then the Carolina Panthers under Matt Rule will be another step forward this year. I think they'll be a better team overall. Just don't know how much better, but I don't expect them to be a playoff team. But it's New Orleans, who was my pick to win the Super Bowl before the last few weeks, the situation with Drew Brees and some of the fracturing in the locker room. You don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be a continual thing and uh, cause any kind of division with the locker room or if they're going to use it as a rallying cry. I know Sean Payton's going to work hard there. But when you look at this division – do you see the Buccaneers overtaking the Saints? Of course, they have to play twice. Or do you think New Orleans still should win this division? 
I think New Orleans should win the division, but again, I, I, I'm fearful about uh, with Drew Brees and his comments and then the backlash that uh, came with that. So uh, I think that's going to be a problem. I think Atlanta is the one that you really want to watch in this division. I, like you said, they made a tremendous recovery uh, last season and, uh, again, very talented, although, again, a year older. Matt Ryan, a year older. Julio Jones, a year older. So, uh, you know, but I think Atlanta is a team that uh, certainly can be a surprise in that division. Tampa Bay, they've got, in my opinion, the, the GOAT of all time, of course, in uh, Tom Brady. Uh, and I could see them uh, making a stride, especially with Bruce Arians as a head coach. But I, I still think New Orleans will, will win that division. But I think it's going to be a good battle between Atlanta and Tampa Bay for uh, that second spot and possibly a wild card spot in the uh, playoffs. Carolina, as you mentioned, they are rebuilding and uh, from uh, ground zero with their new head coach. Now, Mike, I want to go back one step with that Dak Prescott situation. As I see in front of me a big uh, note flashing across the screen, should Dak Prescott's contract set the record or set the mark in terms of what is expected at the quarterback position? Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm going to go on record saying this. Am I seeing something as it says, should Dak's next contract set the market? How can it set the market, Mike, in terms of the negotiation aspect? They have until July 15 to negotiate a long-term deal, and I think they will. But when the guy's being offered in the neighborhood of $30 million, he, and he's turning his head up and turning his nose at it and saying, hey, that's not enough for me, how do you get that in terms of what he's done for this team? It's no championships whatsoever. Yes, he's a solid player. He runs well, throws well. Talented guy. I'm not taking away from him. But he's yet to prove to be a championship caliber quarterback in terms of overall play. Do you break out the checkbook if you're Jerry Jones and set the market with this guy? No, I don't. Uh, consistency is a word that, that's tossed around quite a bit when you talk about uh quarterback play in the National Football League, you need to be consistent. And when you're consistent, that usually translates into championships. And I just don't see it with Dak Prescott. If he gets consistent to play and, um, you know, hits his throws and so forth, he certainly, like you said, that that team with their, their roster is going to probably win the NFC East. But again, we haven't seen that consistency. I mean, there's plays he makes in the game. You go, wow, that's unbelievable. But there's also plays you go, why did he do that? So I think that as long as he's that inconsistent, he's not worth the uh, 40 or 45 million or whatever that he's probably going to uh, command. And I just, I would not pay that money if I was Dallas. And again, you, they don't know about the, the future of the game as far as the revenue goes. They've got the TV deal, but again, without fans, that's going to put a little bit of a dent into your pocketbook. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go. But I don't, I don't pay him that kind of money. Many Cowboys fans may think I'm hating on Dak Prescott, saying, "Hey, this guy's worth it, worth it, worth it." Here's my take on Prescott: five and three last year at home, only three and five on the road as a starter. So when you don't win on the road, uh, and then in the non-conference games, he was one and three. Yes, he did great in the division, so I'll give him credit on that. But it's a very weak division. And then here's the real rub. If I'm Jerry Jones, I sit down and put the numbers up on the board and say, Dank, this is why I don't feel I should go to that $40, $45 million area. The team under you down the stretch when we needed it most, the last five games heading into the playoffs, wanting to have that big push, you were two and three down the stretch. So when I look at him, I say, yes, a talented guy, but at the end of the day, and I know you can't just say it's all his fault, but when you post eight and eight, Mike, the last I checked, that's 500 ball. How yeah. do you reward 500 ball as a starter and say, hey, man, 
pat you on the back. You deserve that 40 to 45 million because the numbers bear it out. They say numbers don't lie. In this case, it is what it is. And I say, yes, take that 30, 31 million a year and be very happy to have it. Yeah. Yeah, and the the other uh, thing too is okay. Say you don't pay him, and say Andy Dalton or you know somebody else is your quarterback. You can use that extra money you got for other positions of need. It's uh, you know, and I don't think you'd be that bad off if you did something with that that mentality. So we'll see what happens. But I, uh, I probably he's probably going to get his money. That shows you how weak the uh, quarterback position is in some cases. And uh, uh, I don't know, forty or forty-five million dollars for that guy. Wish him well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't know from an agent standpoint or player standpoint, you can go to Jerry Jones and say, listen, Jerry, I deserve this. I'm de- okay, so why are you deserving it? Well, I led you to an 8-8 eight and eight year. Okay, you're 500. <laughs> that's great. I lost three of the last five games of – that's right. Oh, that's right. And, of course, you know, overall, we just ended okay. So bust open the bank account. Now, I don't know. 30, 31 million. Take the money, be happy with it, and move forward. We're going to take a timeout with Mike Neville, and we're going to come back and we're going to move our attention to the AFC. We're going to break down AFC. Our thoughts on that as the Sports King rolls on Monday morning. Hi, this is Chris Mooney of the Richmond Spiders. You're listening to Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Let's get back to the guy who said, Where there's a will, there's a relative. Ugh. You're listening to Sports King right here on Sports 106.1. And welcome back, everyone. Monday morning, Monday morning, Monday morning. We couldn't be more excited to have you around the world, around the United States of America. We thank you so much for calling in and being a part of the show. And we want to go out to a longtime follower of the show. William from South Carolina joins us, and he has some thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys. William, thank you for calling in. Hey, Jamie, how you doing, man? Thank you for having me, man. Man, be blessed down there. How you doing? Man, I'm hanging in there, man. The heat is just hot down here, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your mind with those Dallas Cowboys, William? All right, well, look, first off, I got to say, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm not one of those fans that be like, hey, man, guess what? We're going to win the championship because I'm realistic about the situation, man. Um. My thing with Dak, man, I'm like this. I think Jerry needs to hold back on paying him because it's just a lot of questions with him still at quarterback, and you're going to pay that guy a lot of money, and he's still got a lot of questions and things that he still has to improve to work on. And he's got to realize that though that NFC is a weak division, he still has to get – he has to get the Cowboys past a certain level, you know. He's got to get in the playoffs. He's got to win, man. He's got to win. He's also, too, I feel that he has to learn how to play without Ezekiel. You know, if you look at some of those great quarterbacks, they know how to command it like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady or, you know, Joe Montana. You look at those guys, and they know how to, okay, we're down a guy. That guy's not producing. That guy may be injured, but guess what? I can use what I got to make it happen to win. Absolutely. Great point. Now, let me ask you this. You're a super fan of the Cowboys, and you definitely are on on track there, and you're thinking, I love what you're saying. If you have the checkbook, do you write the guy that $31 million check and say, listen, this is what you've earned, this is where you're at, 
Because as Mike said, and Mike's uh, with us is still, when you go to that 40 to 45 million, that's rewarding excellence at the position, which he hasn't done, which he may be able to do. you got C.D. Lamb, Mike McCarthy there. They should be marketably better. But do you open it up if you're the owner, Jerry Jones, put your Jerry Jones hat on for a minute. Do you pay him that big money? Because as Mike said, it's going to take away from paying other guys that could be some big pieces for him. Or do you give him that 30-31 and say, earn the rest? That's what I would do. I'd be like, look, and I would have to have a one-on-one with him and get him to open up. Because sometimes these guys, I feel that these guys are big-headed sometimes. And they look at other situations on their other NFL teams, and they're like, hey, guess what? I want what that guy got paid. But if you look at the production on what that guy did, this guy outdid you. What's the quarterback, uh, Tennessee's quarterback? Now, even though he had a season, but look what he's done in that season. Right. So you can almost kind of be like, eh, dude, I can pay this guy a little bit more money because this guy, though it was Henry that really helped, but this guy really paid the way he really played. I mean, he upped his level. And look what we almost did. We got really close for touching the Super Bowl. I mean, we got really close. So when it comes to that, I'll be like, you know, I would have to be honest with him. Be like, look, either you take it or you don't. But this is what I'm giving you. If you don't want it, then don't want it. If you don't want a quarterback, then don't quarterback. Fine. I got somebody got the, who's willing to quarterback. Right. You got the red rifle sitting back there. Real quick, last question for you. Where do you see the Cowboys? Do they win the division? Do you think they compete playoffs in advance, or do you think it's going to be a so-so season? Nah, I, I don't see it this season. Um, they're still trying to add pieces to get to that level. Uh, I think it's probably going to take them at least two to three seasons to get where they need to be. Um, it all depends on where Dak is. Um, I mean, if they got to go around playing quarterback roulette to find the right quarterback, it's going to put where they need to be even further back. So I think what they need to do is they need to quickly sit down with him, figure out where he is. The Cowboys need to stand firm, but they're going to stand firm and not push with him and get him to understand. Look, we want you, but we only got to, we're only going to pay you what we think you're worth at this time. The only way we're going to pay you, I tell you what, if I was Jerry, I tell you what, if I was him, I'm like, I tell you what I do. I'm going to grab a suitcase. I'm going to fill this up in this suitcase and I'm going to leave it right here at this desk. And I tell you what, I promise you this. If you can get <laughs> me to the playoffs and at least win two round, two games in the playoffs, you can have this contract. And I got something for you extra. But you have to prove before I pay. If you can't, then I have to move to the next option that I have. And like you said, the red rifle's ready. Put them in, let them go. You, Great you call. have to do something with these hard hit quarterbacks to let them know that, hey, look, we're trying to win here. This is not about greed. This is about we want to win. Now, either you're with the team or you or you all about yourself. Figure it out. William, great call. Thank you for calling in. Really appreciate supporting the show. And, man, good luck to you and your Cowboys. Just not too much good luck. Ah, yeah, it's all good. I tell, you, I, tell you, I tell you what, I think the skins are on the right path. I think they made, you know, I watch football. I love football, man. You know that. I love football. Um, you know, I got family that play football. So I'm a big, I love football. And I, I think for the skins, man, they, they, they're in the right path. They got the right coach. Daniel Snyder steps back. Let uh, Ryan do his thing. And I can see this. I can see the Redskins doing something too. They're going to be a threat in the NFC East, probably in a season or two. So 
hey, congrat, you know, hope y'all moved. Uh, congratulations on getting them and on the draft picks. And uh, hopefully, man, we'll see y'all in the playoffs. Yeah, that would be a great thing. Thank you so much, William. You have a great day down in South Carolina. William, uh, special caller, thank you so much much for joining us this morning. Hey, uh, Mike Neville, we bring you back in the conversation. Great point from William. One thing that he touched on about leaving the money in a suitcase with a contract, I like that. Um, I will tell you this. It was Mark Rippon, my close friend, back in the 91 season. Before they won that Super Bowl, Ken Staniger let me in on the negotiations with uh, Mr. Cook at the time and told me what the methodology and thought process. Do you know, and, and I'm sure you remember this, Mark went into a meeting and Ken, uh, together, they went to Mr. Cook and said, look, it was a big contract snafu, what they were going to do. And Mark said, I'll tell you what, I'll t- play for this right now. But if I deliver the goods, and my intention is to deliver the goods, this is before the start of the Super Bowl season, then I'm going to back up the truck because I want that big deal. So that's a case where a guy put his money where his mouth was, and it was a very, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, you have to have, you know what, to do that type of thing. But he did, and at the very end of the year, uh, Mr. Cook rewarded him with that $26 million deal. Now, he said to me, you know, that was a situation where I laid it on the line and then I went out and got it, much like Dak could do. I don't see a lot of athletes wanting to step forward right now and do that and kind of roll the dice with your career. Mark felt it, and he went out and delivered, and a lot of folks didn't know if he would or not, but he did, and then he got all the riches he was asking for. Right now, it seems like pay me first, and then if I perform, it's a bonus, but don't worry about uh, uh, the money now. Just go ahead and give me everything, and then whether I win or whether I don't, it shouldn't matter. Mike? Well, it, yeah, it's a great point, and what happens is we've seen with the Los Angeles Rams, uh, you know, Jared Goff put together a couple of good years. All of a sudden, they said he's our he's our man, and they throw a bunch of money at him. And I'm just not sure that he's a, you know, it's kind of like the Prescott situation. I'm just not sure Goff is the right guy to lead you to a multiple championships. Uh, again, inconsistent play from him, and same with Prescott. Now, if Dak comes out and. Uh, you know, hits uh, 67% of his passes and leads the Cowboys to a couple of playoff wins. Well, sure. But again, you know, it's a tough situation for Jerry Jones because, uh, again, the revenue from next year, that's uh, all these GMs and all these owners are looking at what's the salary cap going to be? Is it going to stay the same? Is it going to go up a notch? Is it going to go below a notch or two? You know, because of uh, the uncertainty with regard to fans and uh, so forth. So it's a tough situation. But uh, again, a very good call by William, by the way. Uh, very smart Cowboys fan there. I just think, uh, you know, you don't give out these big contracts. I think, uh, you know, you can find a, I even think with Andy Dalton at the helm that they might be just as good, if not better, because of the experience. And I think he's a little bit more consistent than Dak Prescott. But again, you know, who knows? But it's a, it's a tough situation. And it's, again, just shows you how valuable these owners and these general managers are putting on the uh, QB position. Our guest, Mike Neville, longtime broadcaster, owner of MHN Productions, and he's covered sports of high school, college pros. And, Mike, getting back to this Cowboys situation, I think Jerry Jones is crazy like a fox. See, here's the deal. If you press too hard in Prescott's case and overplay your hand, the Red Rifle's there, as William said, as you said, and he may 
potentially have a Nick Foles type uh, resurrection right. and just have a right. great season lead him. To, now, here's the thing: if you overplay that hand and say 30, 31 million is not good enough for me, even though I've given you an eight uh, five hundred season at eight and eight, I want it now. And if I don't get it, I'm holding out or whatever. Okay, then we go with the red rifle. Then you risk that uh, situation where you lose your position. And then what happens if a Nick uh, Foles season un- uncovers itself and and Dalton comes out and has a great season? They go to playoffs and beyond and you're forgotten and you overplayed your hand. So you got to be careful here because that bargaining chip that Jerry Jones has is Andy Dalton. So he's sitting there saying, okay, let's go ahead and think about this. If you overplay this, you sit on the sidelines. I've got the guy that can lead us potentially further than maybe you did. So I think they're going to get this thing done sooner rather than later. We're going to start, Mike, now turning our attention to AFC. Then we'll get back in hour two, but we'll start right now. And our final few minutes of hour one with Mike Neville, the American Football Conference, AFC North. We got the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns, the Bengals. Okay, let's start at the bottom. The Bengals, 2-14, and 14, abysmal. They've got, uh, of course, their coach uh, is trying, Taylor's trying to turn things around. They now have the trigger manager, Burrow, a guy that I'm high on, I think could be uh, a guy up there in one of the class quarterbacks uh, coming. I think he's got pro potential. He's going to be a great one at the next level, in my opinion. If they get pieces around him, if he gets battered, of course, it's going to be uh, same old Bengals, but hopefully they'll get enough pieces there to support him. I look at them to move up. Cleveland, I think, Finally, Baker Mayfield says it's time to shut up and just put up and start playing and stop talking. And I love to hear that out of Cleveland. That's a big step forward for them. The Steelers, Mike Tomlin, always a tough team, 8-8 eight and eight last year. Very disappointing. Return of Ben Roethlisberger. We'll see how that's going to go. And, of course, the class of the division right now, 14-2, and two, the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. And I'll tell you what, as I went on record, the best draft in the NFL was the Ravens. When you see this AFC North, what do you see, Mike? Uh, and do you see anybody challenging the Ravens? I think Pittsburgh will. I think Big Ben's going to come back. And I, I, the Steelers are one of the, to me, one of the most impressive organizations. I said it earlier that, uh, you know, Tomlin was able to get them and keep them in the playoff hunt despite losing Big Ben and going through a couple of quarterbacks and uh, kept them right in the hunt till, uh, till the very end of the season. I think they're going to improve with Ben coming back. Hopefully he's healed up and, uh, got a lot of weapons. And, uh, I think they're going to challenge and be right there with Baltimore. I think Lamar Jackson takes a step back. I think what Tennessee did to the Ravens in the playoffs, uh, it might be a blueprint of how to contain him. Uh, tremendous talent, uh, very good football team, very gr- great organization. So uh, I would, uh, I think the Steelers are going to contend. Cleveland again, first, first, first year quarterback or first year coach. I just can't see them. They've got the best, might, might have the best talent in the uh, division, but I, with a first year coach, I can't see them making too much progress. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, they're, 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 they're terrible. Stefanski in Cleveland, you say to yourself, okay, what do you do in Minnesota that gives you that feeling he's going to take this Cleveland Browns right. team to the next level? I mean, it's kind of another head-scratcher there. But when I look at Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, the class of the division right now at 14-2, and two, they had a phenomenal year, the best draft going. But the one thing about that team that I circle when I look at the Ravens is the RPO, the run-pass option, which he is electric when he runs the football or throws the football. He needs to, like Kenny Rogers used to sing, know when to hold him, know when to fold him, <laughs> know when to walk away, know when to run. He needs to know when to run and hopefully not run as much because Ravens fans, every time this guy takes it on the run, he takes some big hits, and you worry and wonder, is he going to get up from this one? So the exposure to his legs, the exposure to big hits, 
Uh, yeah, he's a tough guy. He's a strong guy. But I worry about his health running the football. I'd love to see him depend more on the pass run when necessary, but keep himself in that pocket. I know that's part of what makes him dangerous, but very scary for me when number eight takes off. I worry, and I wonder if other Ravens fans feel the same way because you don't want him taking too many unnecessary hits. Right. Well, that's the danger, and he's not the biggest guy, but uh, he had an unbelievable season last year, and uh, he has proven that he can throw the football, and like I say, the, the M.O. was making uh, force him to pass to beat you, and he's done that a couple of times, but like I say, he's got, he's got to uh, be a little bit more, a little smarter as far as uh, with the football, and if he does run, get out of bounds, because like I say, he's taken some tremendous hits already in uh, his first year. Absolutely. It's one of those things you want to protect your franchise at all costs. So as we wind down the final minute here with Mike Neville in Hour 1, we're coming back to go through. We're going to start with the AFC West when we come back. The Kansas City Chiefs, 12-4, and didn't have the best record in the league, but they ended up with the Lombardi Trophy when it's all said and done. I want to find out from Mike. Does he feel anyone will challenge these Chiefs in terms of giving them a run for their money, or will it be a mini dynasty in Kansas City? I want to find out his thoughts there. In that division, you've got the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chargers. Do any of them have anything for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? Andy Reid, finally, one of my favorite people, Andy Reid, a guy that is a great guy, deserved the championship last year, and they did it in classic style. We're going to find out what Mike thinks about that AFC West. Much, much more, plus your phone calls, 804 307-0888. Come on back for hour two. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, this is Vince Papali, whose wife was featured in the movie Invincible. You're listening to another guy who is invincible as well. The Sports King, Jamie King, on Sports 1061. Want to race the Sports King? Call 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Learn it. Know it. Live it. And welcome back, everyone. Monday morning, and things are happening fast and furious. We thank you for joining us around the world and throughout the United States. Thank you, William Boozer. Thank you, South Carolina. Thank you, Florida. Thank you, Sacramento. Good morning, Nashville, Tennessee. Virginia, we see you and we thank you. Orlando, Florida, hello as well. We want to tell you right now, as we go to some Sports King uh, studio breaking news, Ben Maitland, my producer, always on top of anything happening. He's got some news. According to Carl Ravitch, there's something in baseball. We don't think it's going to happen in baseball. Greed seems to be the prevailing win there. But Ben Maitland has some news. We throw it to Ben now. What do you have, Ben? Good morning, Jamie. Yeah, maybe maybe a little brightness on the horizon. This was from Carl Ravitch, of course, who works for ESPN, covers baseball, has for a long time. Uh, sent out a tweet about 15 minutes ago. Um, Jeff Passan, who is an ESPN reporter, also retweeted this. Uh, so if it's good enough for Jeff, I think it's good enough for, for me. Uh, Carl Ravitch says, and I quote, reading this verbatim off of Twitter, Major League Baseball has made a proposal to the players uh, that includes 75% prorated salary, a 76-game season, playoff pool money, no draft pick compensation for signing a player, uh, the 2020 season would finish September 27th, and the postseason would end at the end of October. Uh, he says, quote, at the end of the tweet, significant move towards player demands in an effort to play more. And I'll follow that up by saying uh, Joel Sherman, who works for the New York Post and reports on baseball for the New York Post, uh, also said on Twitter, as first reported by Carl Ravitch, a source confirmed to him that the league has made this proposal, again, for 75% prorated salaries, 
in a 76-game season to the players. And again, no draft pick compensation this offseason if, if a team signs a free agent. I think that's a significant note uh, to that. In recent years, you know, when a player has elected free agency or been eligible for free agency, teams offer that player the qualifying offer. And if a player declines it and signs with another team, the team that signs that free agent has to give up a draft pick to the team that is losing the player. And a lot of people have seemed to think, have seemed to thought here in recent years that that has been kind of a, a sticking point in free agency. So that's fairly significant news, I think, on the Major League Baseball front. Thank you much, Ben Maitland, my producer, of course, with that breaking news. Ben saying 75% prorated salary, 76 games is what's on the table. Of course, uh, the draft pick compensation, the big sticking point there. As I bring back Mike Neville, who's joined us in hour one on the NFC, we'll get back into the AFC. Mike, I've gone on record saying that uh, NHL is coming back. It hasn't been a lot about the money aspect. The NBA is coming back, 22 games uh, or 22 teams, rather, are getting back at it. Of course, 30 uh, total, but 22 are coming back for the finish out the season. Of course, they're going to have uh, the conclusion eight-game season to finish it out and then get into the playoffs, and they're going to seed themselves in and so forth. But Major League Baseball, I've gone on record saying they could help heal America. We need sports. We need something good. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about this now. It seems like the almighty dollars winning on the baseball front, and they're losing the – in the in the court of public opinion, they continue to lose. Do you think cooler heads will prevail, or do you see any way around the fact that uh, these sides are so far apart? Do you feel baseball will come back in any form? Well, you know, I stated before, I didn't think they would. Uh, you know, the owners uh, had said after that last proposal, and it was rejected and so forth, that they weren't going to make another proposal. But you do, that was probably a little far-fetched because they are, you know, you have to negotiate. You have to try and salvage something out of the season. So, uh, But uh, this has been a really nasty uh, situation, and uh, you hate to see it. And, again, we go back to you mentioned the word greed. That seems to be the, the one word I would think of when I'm thinking of Major League baseball and uh maybe they can get something going here and uh you know the uh, players will agree to it and uh you know the owners are kind of at fault because they've been given away these uh exorbitant contracts and so forth so we'll see what happens but it does sound a little bit more promising than what we've heard in the last few weeks you would think a player would say hey 76 games you know i have more time with my family it'll be yeah. something it won't be everything let's go ahead and take what we can get and give something back to America, which is hurting right now. It's an opportunity maybe by July 4th, if things came together quickly, they could get us back on the nation's birthday, but it remains to be seen. We thank Ben for that breaking news update. Uh, Mike, let's turn our attention back to the AFC. Of course, we're going to go to the AFC West. Last year, our world champions, Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, uh, many people said if he won a world championship, it would mark the final mark on his Hall of Fame career and credentials to get in. I thought he was going to get in anyway. I love Andy Reid, as you well know. Great respect for him. Uh, players coach, players love him, and they want to play for him. He's such a smart guy, an innovator offensively. He's really worked with Eric Bieniemy, high-powered offense. Look at this team last year, 12-4, and 5-3 and three at home, 7-1 and one in, on the road, Mike. That's the thing that really stood out to me is when they went on the road, they took care of business. Interdivision, 6-0, and oh, conference 9-3, and three, and, of course, they ended their season 5-0. and oh. So this is the thing, counterpoint to Dak Prescott. You can say Patrick Mahomes could back the truck up and say, hey, pay me because – Look at the numbers. They speak for themselves. That's the situation there. 
the Broncos, Vic Fangio there, Raiders moving to the new Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Should be excitement there. They got rugs on the outside, a draft pick speed there. Derek Carr there, still wondering about his development. The Chargers, Tyrod Taylor, they still should be in the bottom. Anthony Lynn, I like him as a coach. I don't see them progressing. What do you think here? It's still the Chiefs to me, and I see these guys, Mike, with the speed they're adding in the team cohesiveness and Andy Reid being the key to everything. This team could easily win two to three of these Lombardi trophies, in my opinion. Well, with that quarterback, they certainly are capable of. Their defense is a little suspect, although it did play pretty well at the end of the season. But uh, let's face it, they got uh, very fortunate last year when Miami knocked off New England in the regular season finale to give Kansas City the second seed and allow them to host uh, playoffs. Arrowhead Stadium, one of the toughest places to play. So, I mean, from that standpoint, it was one of those seasons where everything clicked, and I'm very happy because I'm a big Andy Reid fan just like you are and uh, so happy that he was able to prevail and win the uh, title and like you said this is a team on paper that looks like with their speed they have unbelievable speed um, especially on the offensive side of the ball that they could reel off two or three of the uh, Super Bowl trophies as far as the rest of the division I think Oakland excuse me, Las Vegas is going to be uh, much improved. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not, a, I've never been a Raiders fan, even back in the day when uh, Daryl LaMonica, the mad bomber was tossing it around to Fred Blitnikoff and Warren Wells. I'm showing my age there, but wow. uh, never, never been a Raiders fan, but I do think uh, they are going to probably take second place in that division. Derek Carr, boy, he, again, he shows flashes of brilliance and then there's uh, plays that make you scratch your head, but they've got some weapons offensively. And uh, so I think they're going to leapfrog Denver. Uh, Denver, of course, Drew Locke, their quarterback, uh, performed admirably last year. And, they, you know, they need him to take a step or two to continue to be a force in that division. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then the Chargers, big Anthony Lynn fan, Tyrod Taylor. You know, so I'm in Buffalo, obviously, and the nice thing about Tyrod, I love, I love the kid. He, he won't make mistakes. He's uh, very cautious with the football. He's not a gambler, uh, and that will win you some games. But, uh, again, I don't think the uh, L.A. Chargers have enough to uh, make it into the top three of that uh, division. I think they'll probably still be in the basement. But uh, I see uh, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, challenging Kansas City, but I still think the uh, Chiefs are the uh, cream of the crop in the AFC West. Yeah, speaking of Taylor, uh, the quarterback for the Chargers, you know, you love Taylor, a great guy. I love my mailman, but he's not going to lead them to a championship either. So the situation here, what's your take, 804-327-0888? Chiefs are still the class of that division. I think defensively they shored some things up. They've gotten better offensively. I think the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the X factor, he stays healthy. This kid is absolutely electric, can do it all. And so I agree with Mike, Kansas City is the top dog there. Oakland, I do feel, will make, excuse me, Los Angeles, or I'm sorry, Las Vegas. How about that? Uh, every time you get used to something, it changes. It just, uh, and as you said, Mike, we're back in the old Kenny Stabler snake days uh, and uh, seeing the ghost of the post and all that. That tells you how old we are, folks. But the right. AFC West is still going to be Kansas City's to lose. I think, uh, once again, they'll make it all the way to another Super Bowl, as I went on prediction the other day. Um, we turn our attention now to the AFC East, Mike. Of course, your division, uh, you have a lot of interest here. The Patriots 12-4, and 
Buffalo 10 and 6, the Jets 7 and 9, the Dolphins bringing up the rear 5 and 11 to Atagalovoa, the quarterback now, the fifth pick. They think maybe he could be a guy to step in. We don't know. Fitzmagic is there, and that's a guy that, uh, as I tell you, a guy could throw it all over the yard. You know him well. You know he's capable of throwing five touchdowns or several interceptions. You never know what you're going to get with him, but he'll always compete for you. In the, yeah, in the same game, as you saw in Buffalo. And uh, I want to talk about the Jets. They look to be improving. Don't know how much Adam Gase uh, still trying to get things going there. Had some uh, pickups there, a uh, big left tackle there. Uh, Makai Becton is going to be a big help for Sam Darnold. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, I thought, had a very good draft. 10-6, and six, Brandon Bean and company getting that team going. The Patriots 12-4, and four, losing Tom Brady, going down to Jared Stidham. Is it a major drop for New England? Uh, do you feel, and people in Buffalo, the upstate New York folks, feel this is our opportunity to really leapfrog and make a run at the Super Bowl championship? I know you're as excited as you've ever been for a season. How do you see this unfolding? Well, the Bills are, you know, most uh, everybody you talk to say they should be the uh, favorites in the AFC East. I, you know, I, I hate to, you know, usually I'm very cautious, but I, I have to agree. I mean, with the, on, on paper again, throughout that division, the best roster is the Buffalo Bills. You know, they need Josh Allen to step in, uh, step up again. Uh, he's uh, shown in progress and improvement in his first couple of years. They've got him some weapon, another weapon in Stefan Diggs. So, uh, you know, it, and I love Sean McDermott and uh, the organization. And like I said, they had a great draft. Epinesa will be a terrific addition to the defense, which is already very good. And I, I like this kid, Gabe Davis. I think he's maybe a, the biggest surprise of the Bills. Uh, wide receiver. He's got good size and uh, uh, can be a threat in the red zone. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to say the Bills uh, would have to be the favorites. Uh, I, I'm, you know, another team I think is going to be a surprise is Miami, uh, yeah, whether it be Fitz or whether it be uh, the rookie. Uh, but I, the Brian Flores, I thought the uh, Dolphins really played hard for him last year. That everybody was talking about tanking, and they ended up uh, collecting five wins. And, you know, a lot of people didn't think they'd get two wins. And uh, so I really like that team. They they had a lot of free agents and uh, and that they've added. It's just a matter of how soon can they mesh New England. Everybody's throwing dirt at them. I'm not. I still think they're going to be for, uh, contending for the division, if not uh, – a wild card spot, even with Stidham at the quarterback, although they did take quite a hit on the defensive side. Everybody talks about Brady, but boy, they took a major hit on the defensive side of the ball. But Belichick, one of the greatest, if not the greatest coaches in the NFL, uh, he'll find a way. And the Jets, I don't know what all the excitement is about the Jets. I really don't. I'm not a big Adam Gase fan. Uh, big, a lot of, lot of pressure on Sam Darnold this year to, uh, perform. He's been, been dealing with some injuries in the past. Uh, I like Sam Darnold, but, uh, he's really got to step up this year. And I'm not sure the Jets are going to improve that much this season. And of course, you got Joe Flacco recently signed. If the experiment with Darnold doesn't work, they'll pull the plug on him and put Flacco in the Super Bowl winner. So you know, you've got a guy happen. there. That, that, yeah. that won't happen. You do not feel well. I think if they falter, I think uh, Gase is on such precarious ground that they may have to try to do something. Maybe set him down for a game and uh, give him a spark, as you saw with Nick Foles. If things start to go haywire, I'm saying if they go four and four out of the gate or something like that, five and five in middle of the road, or if you don't see any progression, I think uh, the fact that you have a guy there that's won a Super Bowl is going to weigh heavy. I hope, as you say, they give him the opportunity, but I just don't see if they start out, heaven forbid, uh, you know, three and uh, five or something like that, I really could see the calls for a Joe Flacco coming through, but we'll see how that shakes out there. But I agree with you. I think Buffalo, it's their opportunity to move up. We've had Lorenzo Alexander on the show, former linebacker. We've had Trent Murphy on the show, and they both feel that they're going to take a quantum leap forward. So I know you're excited about that. But when you look at this overall picture here, 
on the Buffalo Bills. They finished ten and six on the year, four and four at home. They've got to do better at New Era. They got to play better there as a home team. They've always been dominated at home through the years, the Jim Kelly years. They were six and two on the road, so they took care of their business on the road, but only four and four at home. I know that was disappointing for you, but the big disappointment for Allen and the quarterback and uh, head coach Sean McDermott down the stretch, Mike, only two and three in their last five. That was a major sticking point for me. I didn't think they were playing their best football down the stretch. They ended up with two uh, and three record down the stretch uh, and very disappointing to finish up strong. Uh, they, they need a better finishing kick, and I think this year they're poised to do that. Yeah, like you say, uh, Josh has got to get his uh, uh, completion percentage up. If he can get up around 62, 63%. Uh, raise it about three or four percentage points. And I think with Stefan Diggs there and with Dawson Knox at the tight end, although I really think Tyler Croft may be a big surprise for the Bills. I, I, I listened to a, uh, one Bills live out of, the, of, uh, out of Buffalo weekdays. And, uh, you know, nobody talks about Tyler Croft, uh, who came over from Cincinnati as a free agent battled some injuries last year, but I think he may be a surprise guy offensively for him. But again, they've got weapons. They've got motor Devin Singletary in the backfield, Dak Moss, who I really think is going to come in as a rookie and be a great addition uh, to the backfield. So they've got the pieces, but it's just a matter of taking that next step. And, uh, you know, first time since, uh, 96, they've been favored to win the AFC East. That's a long time. <laughs> That's a little scary, too. I know as a Bills fan, whenever you get uh, like Cleveland, they say, hey, Cleveland, in the offseason, we're yeah. going to win it all. And then you saw what happened. So it's sometimes not always good to be picked to win a lot. Uh, moving our attention, final uh, division uh, we're going to analyze here is the AFC South. Houston, last year on top, the Texans 10-6. and six. Tennessee Titans, of course, we saw what they did. Nine and seven. Indianapolis seven and nine. Frank Reich there. Jacksonville pulling up the rear six and ten. I love this Tennessee Titans team. I loved them all year. I saw Tannehill just progress, but that big running attack with Derrick Henry, that defense, I'll tell you, Vrabel's underrated as a coach. That team is really solid, rock solid. And with the loss of DeAndre Hopkins in Houston, I don't know what O'Brien's doing. I think there are really a lot of question marks along that Houston team just in general. I look at the Titans to be the class of this division. Your thoughts here? I think Houston slides back a couple of spots, Jamie. I think with the loss of Hopkins, I'm not sure the uh, locker room is all that excited about losing DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not sure Bill O'Brien, he might be a good coach, but I think he stinks as a general manager. So I think they slide back. And I think Tennessee, uh, although I think Ryan Tannehill, he got the big money. I, I think that was just an aberration. I don't think he's a very consistent quarterback. Yeah, they've got great, uh, a terrific coach in uh, Brave, I agree with you. is very underrated. Uh, and Derrick Henry, um, you know, He's a, I would not want to try to tackle him. So I think Tennessee. But I think Indianapolis with Phillip Rivers uh, taking over at the quarterback spot for at least a year. With Frank Reich, uh, uh, I think that's a team that uh, will leapfrog Houston. I, so I think the battle for the top of the division will be between Tennessee and Indianapolis. I think Jacksonville brings up the rear once again. How Doug Marone has kept his job is beyond me. Uh, yeah, a little bitterness coming out from his days in Buffalo, or day in Buffalo, because I think it was only like <laughs> one year. But anyways, uh, I, I really think Tennessee and Indianapolis will uh, vie for the top spot in that division. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, but like I say, Vrabel, I think, you know, offensively, defensively, the offense with Henry there uh, last year, Mike, 1,540 yards. Uh, Deion Lewis, 209 yards. Tannehill ran for 185 yards. Tannehill, very quietly, 2,742 yards in terms of what he did through the air. So he's a guy that's doing well, and the guy that I feel is one of the breakout stars in the NFL is wide receiver, 
A.J. Brown. He's not getting a oh. ton of play, but this what guy, every time I put on the tape and watch this guy, if you're a fantasy fan out there watching uh, us on Facebook Live or listening on Sports 106.1, get this guy, A.J. Brown. Last year, what did he do? 1,051 yards receiving. He's a guy, number 11, just absolutely dynamic, always just popped off the screen, a big play waiting to happen, a guy that is definitely talented and will lead the Titans through the air again. Of course, the Titans second in the AFC South 9-7. We saw what they did. And, of course, going into Baltimore, doing what they did, uh, really upset the Ravens' hopes to win it all last year. But it was a definite run that Vrabel has those guys confident down there, and it's going to be some excitement. So let me ask you this. I'll tell you, Jamie, both those wide receivers, I can't think of the other wide receiver for Tennessee, but Brown, and but they are studs, both of them, and uh, they have tremendous uh, skill possession people. And the one thing about Tennessee, too, much like when you play Baltimore, I mean, when you play those guys, you have to recover. It takes you about a week to recover. It's such a physical game. I remember when Buffalo played them last year and edged them out in Tennessee. It was such a physical football game. And when I think of physical football teams, Tennessee, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh come to mind in the uh, AFC. Just just beat you up. And uh, that's what uh, Tennessee did last year. And uh, very impressive uh, how physical a football team they are. They have Cameron Batson at wide receiver, Mike. He's one of the guys they have. Corey Davis is the other from Western Davis, Michigan. Yeah, very talented guy. So they've got the pieces there, and they're just getting better. Of course, outside linebacker Vic Beasley, formerly from the Atlanta Falcons, another guy, 6'3", 246, a heat-seeking missile, another talented guy. I'm high on this Tennessee team, and they just have all the components, and a coaching staff really, really puts the time in. They really believe in the direction they're going. Mike, uh, final moments with you. As you look at all the divisions we just broke down, the NFC, the AFC, who do you have when all the dust settles and everybody plays in complete season? We hope everything's going to go off as expected. Who are your two teams that you expect to be there when it's all over? And, of course, your Super Bowl winner right now. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. <clears throat> um, I think uh, Kansas City and Baltimore probably are the top two, but I'm, I'm going to surprise you here, Jamie. I'm going to play. I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I just have a belief that Big Ben's going to get bounced back. I think the Steelers are going to represent the AFC and in the NFC. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you, lots of good uh, teams there. San Francisco, can they make it back-to-back? Uh, but I'm going to have to go with New Orleans. I think the Saints, despite uh, the, uh, the backlash that Breeze has taken, I think Sean Payton does a good job of directing them. So I'm going to say the New Orleans and Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. Okay, and you've got Drew Brees. Uh, the last season of his illustrious career has already said he wants to go into broadcasting against the resurgency here with, uh, and that's a good call, Ben Roethlisberger. Here's the thing about the Steelers. He's been there, won the biggest game, played in the biggest games. The pressure's not going to get to him. He knows how to win at the highest level. So you get in the Super Bowl, and your take is Steelers versus New Orleans. Who wins and why? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! I, I think I think Drew Brees last year. I think he pulls it off. I think the Saints rally and they uh, they are able to edge out Pittsburgh. And uh, Drew Brees uh, goes out a winner, just like John Elway did in his playing days. Well, we just missed by one because I had New Orleans against Kansas City, and I had Drew Brees in spectacular fashion finding a way to outduel Patrick Mahomes and winning the Super Bowl. My take. So we're right on the money there. We both picked it, and uh, we did not discuss this before. So good to hear we're on the same page there. But I do think Drew Brees is going to really put an epic final chapter to his career and put a stamp on it with the Super Bowl championship. Mike, we can't thank you enough for joining us, and uh, we know – 
Uh, you, like all of us, want sports to return. We're hearing the NHL is coming back, NBA. Uh, what are you looking the most forward to over the next couple of weeks? Uh, which sport uh, really is sticking out to you that you can't wait to get started again? Well, hockey is my favorite sport, so that's the one I'm, I'm really looking forward to the most. I, uh, I just want sports back, you know, and, uh, but hockey is my favorite, and uh, I'm, uh, even though Buffalo's not in it, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the hockey season restarting. Before I let him go, I'm going to give him this note to make him smile. Of course, Mike Neville is the biggest Buffalo Bills fan ever <laughs> and also the biggest Boston Celtics fan. Mike, I'm going to take you back in time. Do you know on this date, June 8th, way back years ago on this date, Larry Bird had a triple-double. The Celtics win their 16th world title over the Houston Rockets. He was named the regular season and MVP of the finals, and that should make you smile, my friend. Never get tired of hearing that. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while for the Celtics. Hopefully they'll return, and uh, they've got a good team, too. So they're in the mix. It's going to be 22 teams. We'll talk about that. All the sports news of the day, everything else. We can't thank Mike Neville enough. Of course, the owner of MHN Productions, longtime broadcaster. We're going to take a timeout, come back. Got about a half hour left, plus your phone calls, 804-327-0888, as the Sports King rolls on Monday morning. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Moglia, the former head football coach of Coastal Carolina, as well as the chairman of the board of TD Ameritrade. You're listening to my friend Jamie King on the Sports King Show on Sports 106.1. Hi, sports fans. It's the Sports King for the Podiatry Center of renowned foot doctor, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross is an expert who develops individual game plans for the sole purpose of getting his patients back to 100% as quickly as possible. In my case, I wore soft casts, hard casts. I was in pain and I saw no relief. That is, until Dr. Ross came to the rescue. He restored my foot to the way it was originally, and he gave me the quality of life I so desperately wanted to return to. He can do the same for you. He has state-of-the-art techniques and strategies to ensure your pain and issues become a thing of the past. If you've tried the rest, do yourself a favor and now try the best. Call today. Two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was, and he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome you back, Sports King, on a Monday morning. And uh, a lot of things happening in the world of sports, slowly but surely, trying to work our way back. And we've had all kinds of news coming forward. Ben had something earlier about Major League Baseball having a conference call, maybe a 76-game season. That's potentially on the table. We'll keep you up to date on that. We want to keep you up to date on some other things happening of course uh, right now with the NFL a lot of discussion over everything happening in terms of whether players should take a knee will take a knee uh, what's your take on that give us a call 804-327-0888 Washington Redskins running back Adrian Peterson plans to kneel during the national anthem before NFL games this season and he expects many other players will join him the jester first taken in 2016 by former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick 
to call attention to racial injustice became a point of contention between NFL players and the league office, one that has been reignited following the horrific uh, situation involving the death of George Floyd with national protests. Quote, just four years ago, this is from Peterson, you're seeing Kaepernick taking a knee, and now we're all getting ready to take a knee together going in this season without a doubt, end quote. He told the Houston Chronicle on Friday. The issue resurfaced last week when New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees told Yahoo Finance that he would, quote, never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag, end quote. So you wonder what's going on here. It's a firestorm of criticism uh, from fellow athletes, and Brees later reversed his position, offered a mea culpa, and said he was so sorry that he was tone deaf to the situation. It's a situation that you've got on one hand, some folks are of the thinking that uh, if you don't stand, you're disrespecting the flag. And that's why many people were turned off to the NFL. They got so offended by it. And now as you understand more, learn more about the racial injustice and inequality situation, uh, you understand what's going on and you're seeing protesting around the world in terms of getting it right and doing what's right. And so Adrian Peterson, the Redskin running back, talked about how they are going to do more kneeling this year. And now you'll know more and more where things are at in terms of the mindset of the players out there. And what's your take? Do you feel like things are moving in a positive direction? Do you feel that things are moving forward? I hear and see great things happening because of the fact that there's more dialogue now than ever, more discussion. People are hearing things, not just watching things, but actually listening to one another. And uh, you have folks like Martellus Bennett claiming the NFL is racist uh, while ripping Drew Brees, Vic Fangio, and questioning white quarterbacks' commitment to protests. So, you know, everybody's not going to buy in and everybody's not going to believe when somebody makes uh, a mistake and offers an apology. Some people can say, yes, I believe that, or no, I don't. Uh, you have to look in someone's heart and you have to look at their body of work and their body of what they've said throughout their career. If you believe it, uh, you can offer apology. If you don't believe it, it's understandable. It's certainly everybody's opinion which more and more folks out there are coming up with opinions, talking about it, uh, trying to get the discussion out there from a national perspective and a world perspective, and talking about uh, the situation where everybody has a voice and everybody is heard. That's the key with me, is making sure that all voices are heard and that you listen to people in what's going on. Michael Jordan is using his unique platform to help eradicate injustice in the wake of George Floyd's death. The Jordan brand. And Michael Jordan, let me say this, has been criticized so much for not taking stands on uh, voting for this guy or that guy or putting his name behind a certain candidate because he came out famously years ago and said, hey, Republicans buy sneakers too. So people bashed him for that. But Michael Jordan's a guy that loves his community and he has done so much for so many people that you don't know about. And the Jordan brand has announced that it is donating now $100 million dollars over the next 10 years to help promote racial equality and social justice. During an exclusive interview with the Charlotte Observer's Rick Bunnell, Jordan spoke about how he feels amid the international protest against racial injustice, police brutality, and systemic racism. He was asked why he made the donation. He said, quote, we have been beaten down as African-Americans for so many years. It sucks your soul. You can't accept it anymore. This is a tipping point. We need to make a stand. We've got to get better as a society regarding race, end quote. Jordan issued a challenge to people to stop racist behaviors. He said, quote, face up your, to your demons, extend a hand, understand the inequalities, end quote. So 
a situation where Michael Jordan, who is a national leader in terms of success on the court and is a situation where he wants to make a stand with his brand. Uh, he's been criticized so much through his career for not doing these type of things. He is now at the forefront, a $100 million donation. You can't do anything but take your hat off and applaud him for trying to make things right and trying to take a step in the right direction. What's your take? 804-327-0888. would love to hear from you about your thoughts on everything from what we talked about through the AFC-NFC picture or your take for the Super Bowl. Who do you think will be there? Also, the situation with the kneeling and the protesting, what's your take as far as sports and uh, where things fit? Russell Wilson, a Richmond native, of course, he's from the area. He went on record saying uh, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, to be honest with you, he said, I don't even want to talk about football right now. He said during a video conference this past Wednesday, you know, that's a thing that I don't even know what that looks like down the road or anything else. I think none of that matters. I can't compare football to life and what the black community is going through right now. Wilson had a 35-minute session. He was very emotional, as he's been seen in some video formats as well. He relayed stories from his youth in Richmond, Virginia, and about raising two kids now with a third on the way. At times in the past, the conversation with Wilson may have centered on off-season changes to the offense of Seattle. Wilson has enough weapons to contend in the NFC West, but Wilson didn't want to talk about X's and O's. He didn't want to talk about personnel changes or even the off-season, which is a virtual one as it is now. His tone was similar to how Seattle has run its team meetings. And last week, the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis and the national protests that have followed uh, basically, he was talking about all of the things going on and why change needs to be done. So uh, hats off to Russell Wilson as well for taking a stand in the situation there uh, is basically uh, something he should be applauded for, for taking a stand. Uh, turning our attention to uh, a sad story in the Belmont uh, situation, three horses have died in one day during training at Belmont, Belmont Park raising the death toll to 18 horses. I don't know what's going on here. They need to have an internal investigation. A horse here or there is one thing that you can look at because they do get infections and leg issues and so forth. But to have three die uh, in one day during training, there is something seriously systemically wrong on that front. So you have to look at that from the Belmont standpoint and talk about it. Two died in training in one day just before the track's opening day Wednesday, which has been pushed back because of the coronavirus outbreak. Two horses were euthanized at Belmont's main track after sustaining leg injuries, which obviously happens. On Sunday, and the third was put down the same day in the barn after it was taken by ambulance from the park's main track. This according to New York State's Equine Injury and Death database. Even though the park has been closed, many horses are stabled and trained there. This year, 18 horses have died at the park from training injuries. So you wonder what exactly is going on from a training front at the Belmont and what they can do to maybe fix this situation. Uh, like I say, isolated injuries happen and isolated uh, situations where horses have to be put down is one thing, but it just seems like uh, it's going on and on. It's just being a uh, something that's been kind of magnified there, especially at Belmont. So but we'll keep our eye on that situation. And uh, getting back to what we talked about at the top, of course, uh, the NFC-AFC title picture, who is going to be the team? We'd love to hear from you, 804-327-0888, 804-327-0888. And uh, speaking of the NFL, uh, we found out that President Trump questioned Roger Goodell's statement to the NFL players and so that's another situation that is ongoing. And uh, Goodell went on record saying, quote, I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. 
And speaking for the league, he said, we, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players early and uh, encouraging all to speak out and peacefully protest. As protests have sprung up around the country in the wake of the death of George Floyd, uh, Minneapolis situation there, he said uh, in terms of the kneeling that he understands more about that now. And, of course, this all started with Colin Kaepernick when he took a knee back in 2016. Uh, Goodell's comments uh, went on to say, We, the NFL, condemn racism and the systemic oppression of black people. We, the NFL, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage them to all speak out peacefully, protest. We, the NFL, believe that black lives matter. Okay, so that's what he said. And then the uh, president came back with, uh, in a tweet, could it be even remotely possible that in Roger Goodell's rather interesting statement of peace and reconciliation, he is intimating that it would be okay for the players to kneel or not to stand for the national anthem, thereby disrespecting our country and our flag. So you have point, counterpoint. But you wonder with Goodell, the situation is going on here. Uh, what I want to know with Goodell is he saying the right things? He's standing up and saying the NFL is now totally against all this. But then you wonder, with Colin Kaepernick, who started the firestorm off by kneeling for social injustice, if now the door will open to him and they'll welcome him back with open arms saying, that hey, we were wrong and we're going to start by bringing you back in the league and fixing this. Because when you hear about all of the injustice and all the inequality and all the things out there and the kneeling situation was started with Kaepernick, the fact that everybody has been absolutely stone-cold silent when it comes to his future in the NFL, whether or not he's in a situation where they're going to keep him out forever or if this will even open the door for Colin Kaepernick to come back in because people are saying, well, we see what you're doing now, and maybe we see it, but it's not enough for allow you to back be back in the club. You're good enough to raise the issue, but not good enough for us to forgive you to bring you back in. So is Goodell and company speaking out of both sides of their mouth? Are they open to bringing Kaepernick back? And I'm going to go on record here telling you this. I like Colin Kaepernick out of Nevada as a player. He was dynamic with his legs, with his arms, and whether you like him or not due to his stands, that's your personal take. From an athletic ability, he's a talented guy, and he should be in the league. Uh, of course, you have to sit down with him and talk to him about it. I mean, he's going to kneel. He's going on record saying that. He's not going to change his opinion of that situation. That's what he feels in his heart. So you have to take him at face value and say, hey, this is a guy who's going to do that, and we just have to accept this. Now that it's coming to the forefront, it's a bigger discussion point. You have to say to yourself, are we going to give this guy a second chance? And there have been a lot of players that have used drugs and done a lot of wor- a lot worse things in terms of their overall daily walk than Colin Kaepernick, and they've been welcomed back. I'm talking cocaine, beating girlfriends, beating wives, uh, justices high and low, but they've been given second chances. Certain guys, a lot of chances, but Colin Kaepernick, the door's been closed. You just wonder now if, for some reason, this may open the door with the NFL's new stance. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Take your phone calls as well, 804-327-0888. It's the Sports King on a Monday morning. We'll be right back. Hi, this is three-time Super Bowl champion number 71 of the Washington Redskins defensive end Charles Mann, and you're listening to the Sports King Show live on Sports 106.1. Don't go away. He'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, president and general manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We know the last few months have been, to say the least, a learning curve. From teaching your kids at home, to figuring out video conferences, or even remembering the right way to go down aisles. We had a lot to learn, and our dealership did too. 
After all, our goal has always been to make the car buying process easy for our customers. So when we couldn't serve you in person, we found a different solution. CMA's Easy Purchase. It's simple. All you have to do is head to cmascolonialhonda.com, select your vehicle, secure your financing, value your trade-in, and select the delivery location. And don't worry, we're always here to answer questions. If you'd like to complete it all online and you're not sure about something, give us a call and we can virtually walk you through it. Or you can take any of these steps in the dealership if that's more comfortable for you. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome you back, Sports King. Final 10 minutes or so of the show. Want to let you know it all starts here on Sports 1061 every morning. It's Big Al, Sports Phone, the legendary Big Al. Bringing you Sports Phone with Ben Maitland. Ben, of course, pulls double duty, then he flips over to us. It's the Sports King from 10 to 12, the noon o'clock hour. Then we head off to Los Angeles for. The Jim Rome Show in Los Angeles, the jungle, the site is a legendary broadcaster takes over for us in about 10 minutes. Want to let you know some sad news from the NFL, former Cincinnati Bengals, a guy uh, that I grew up watching, loved him as a player. Number 13, Ken Riley, former defensive uh, Bengal star, uh, passed away unexpectedly. Of course, he was a uh, standout who became a head coach and athletic director at his alma mater, Florida A&M. He died suddenly Sunday at 72 years of age and uh, died in his hometown of Bartow. The cause of death was not released. He played 15 seasons for the Bengals as a defensive back with 65 career interceptions, fifth in NFL history for 596 yards, five touchdowns, all franchise records. He recovered 18 fumbles before his NFL career. He's a four-year starter and quarterback for the Rattlers. So a very, very talented guy. Uh, and a guy I really looked up to as far as defensive player, Ken Riley, has passed away. Also, more sad news in terms of a loss uh, necessarily. Former NFL wide receiver uh, Rache Caldwell was shot and killed uh, in a robbery at age 41 uh, outside of his home in Tampa, Florida. This is on Saturday. He was uh, 41, as I mentioned. He was about to take his girlfriend out when he went back inside the house to get a jacket. His girlfriend said Caldwell was ambushed by a couple of people who jumped out of the bushes in an attempted robbery. Caldwell's mother, Deborah, said on a website, uh, TMZ, Caldwell was shot in the leg and chest before 911 was called, but he died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. This is just tragic beyond words. Uh, he was a good person who smiled all the time, Deborah told TMZ. He tried to help everyone he could. He was a guy that did so much for the community, and he would take his shirt off his back, give it to you. That kind of guy, Rache Caldwell, um, the second round pick out of Florida in the 2000 NF, 2002 NFL draft played for the San Francisco, uh, San Diego Chargers, excuse me, New England Patriots and the Washington Redskins over a six year NFL career. He signed a one year deal with the Los Angeles Rams in 2008, but the team released him before the start of the season. He finished his career with 152 receptions for 1,851 yards, 11 touchdowns and 71 games. Uh, as a player, very talented guy. He was a more of a role type player, but he really uh, could spread the field. He could make it 
uh, with his legs. He was a fast guy, could make big plays happen. Another sad loss for the NFL community. And, of course, this one, a very big tragedy. Guy just leaving his house, goes back to get his jacket and his gun down. instead of. And uh, I'll never understand why someone in a robbery situation, uh, you know, it's a situation where you could say, you know, give me your stuff, but uh, allow the person to live. If a guy like Caldwell, I can easily see him saying, you know, here's my stuff, take it, and not putting up a fight because, you know, if two guys are there or three, uh, and it's an armed robbery situation, but very sad, they went ahead and uh, took his life at the much too young age of 41 years of age. It's a very sad situation there. But uh, we are definitely uh, thankful that you've joined us on this edition of Sports King. Uh, of course, Mike Neville, we want to thank him for joining us. And, of course, we talk with Dr. Lenise Bryant, uh, Bias on Friday. She'll be joining us the week of the 15th, Len Bias's mom. That's a programming note. We want to let you know about that. And she's very thankful and uh, loved hearing from me on the discussion about the last time I and the only time I got to spend time with Len. And uh, she wanted to know about that encounter. And I told her what a fabulous young man he was. So we're going to talk more about the life and times of Len Bias. And it was snuffed out at the much too young age of 22. As I've gone on record and people say, are you sure about that? That's a pretty big statement. If you don't believe the sports king, please pull up YouTube and just take some time today, this afternoon, watch Len Bias and look at the career uh, that he had at Maryland, all the things he did in terms of his play and make your own decision. There's a reason why this guy was a top pick in the draft and one of those guys that just was going to be, in my opinion, a guy that would transform the league when you look at a talent level. Six foot eight, he could do it all, run, jump, a beautiful jumper. And I feel he would have been the guy that challenged Michael Jordan for supremacy in the NBA and a guy that easily could have won championships with Larry Bird in that front line they had there in Boston. What a piece he would have been. Len Bias, and we'll talk to his mother, Dr. Lenise Bias, coming up the week of the 15th, and I'll get you more details uh, as they become available. And so, of course, Kevin Harvick uh, wins the NASCAR race yesterday. Happy Harvick, and he's very happy on that front. And I know many people out there excited about NASCAR and the way they're doing things and how exciting things are on the NASCAR front. And we're hearing uh, Ben posted it earlier and had the message that the uh, Major League Baseball uh, owners are meeting, uh, maybe even as we speak right now, 76 games on the table, of course, 75% prorated salaries, and they're still talking about the draft pick uh, compensation. There will be none of that. So they're looking at that as a position where you're uh, trying to do something to get this league back and get uh, Major League Baseball back in flux. And hopefully it's not being received well, according to Ben Maitland. So, so far, uh, you know, people are taking a hard line in the sand here and drawing that line and saying, no, I will not do this, or yes, I will. If the players decide and continue on, folks, baseball looks like it is going to be dead on arrival. And if that's the case, I'm telling you, folks, this is going to turn off uh, a worldwide audience, and people are not going to forget this. I mean, baseball has a chance to come back and play uh, less than half the season or about half the season and basically go out and do a good job and give America something to smile about. You won't forget this because at the end of the day, you can talk about player safety, but then look at the NHL, look at the NBA, look at the NFL, look at college football. They're all coming back. They're trying to find ways to come back. This is not about health, folks. This is not about worrying about the coronavirus in that situation. They are, are going to do things to try to protect players. This breaks down simple as we can go with it. It's a dollar, the almighty dollar, and they want their money, and they don't want to take any less. Forget the fact that there'll be nobody in the stands, nobody to pay any salaries, nobody to put money in. They think that the owners 
that has made the money, have made the money in the past, deserve to pay them the money they feel they've earned and that they're worth. So there's a situation. How you can pay a player like a Mike Trout two hundred twenty-three thousand a game with nobody in the stands is beyond me. If I'm an owner, it's just not from an equitable standpoint. You can't do it. But it's a situation where the players are saying, if I don't get everything I'm entitled to, then I'm not playing. Well, guess what? If you don't play, uh, this is going to be a hard one for you to come back from. Hardline folks will come back and support you, but it's not going to be a national or worldwide return because people won't forget what you did. If you take the stance, it's going to be bad for the players, be bad for management, and uh, you're looking at teams like the World Champion Nationals who can't celebrate their world championship because there's nothing to celebrate because nobody's gotten back together. So that's the situation there, and we're going to keep our eye on that. But I just think cooler heads need to prevail. Somebody needs to step in that room and say, folks, can't we play 76 ball games and then go to the playoffs and World Series and let's finish this up? And it's not what anybody wants, but it's what we need to do. Are you going to be so hard-lined that you know, Scott Boris may not make all the money that he wants to make, but he's going to make something? So a situation where you look at and you just shake your head in disbelief. I do want to say this before I leave the show today. I watch with great excitement the UFC, who did an amazing job. Hats off to Dana White in the UFC. The women's featherweight battle, the title fight uh, between uh, Felicia Spencer and uh, Amanda Nunes. I'm going to say this right now. Amanda Nunes, I'm taking my hat off to you. That is one nasty young lady in the ring and she smiles throughout the fight but she absolutely punished spencer throughout improving her record of 24 and 0 and i'm telling you folks uh many people are saying she's the greatest of all time she needs to be included in that i put her up there of course ronda rousey you can argue for her but this nunez is a difference maker in the ring she is unbelievable in the octagon just dominant and it was something where you look at some of the wild knockouts they had in there there were some major league knockouts so if you're looking for something to watch and you like boxing or in this case uh, kickboxing and all the things they do the grappling this is a different setup there with the octagon with Dana White, but they pulled it off beautifully. They're very successful at this. I know NASCAR has come back, but I noticed one thing in the octagon. In between matches, you've got a guy up there spraying the ring, spraying the ring and people wiping the ring down and people wiping here and wiping there and so much protective measures being taken. They are getting it right. They are doing a great job. So congratulations again to Amanda Nunes. She is your featherweight title holder now, UFC champion there, improving to 20-4. and four. And this was uh, an unbelievable round five uh, decision there that she won. Uh, just absolutely dominant performance. Now, I give Spencer a lot of credit. She hung in there and took a beating, but just outclassed by Nunez. And I don't know. They have one person there maybe at the top to challenge her. But right now, Nunez uh, in the argument for one of the greatest of all time as far as UFC. And you may say, wow, a woman in it. The women in a title fight, is this the wave of the future? And you look at it, and you're like, Man, they deserve to be in that title fight. It was that good, folks. They gave you everything. And, uh, of course, years ago when you saw the Ronda Rouseys of the world and folks like that getting in there and getting their opportunity to have a title fight, they deserve it. And I'll tell you, it's kudos to women's sport. They are really stepping it up, and it was so exciting. And I congratulate uh, all the women athletes there. You're now getting some of what you deserve in terms of the limelight. And Nunez really dominated. This was well worth the money. So that's going to wrap it up uh, for this edition, Monday edition of the Sports King. We're going to post on Facebook all of our upcoming guests and let you know uh, you can watch us on Facebook Live or Sports 106.1. We thank, thank Ben Maitland 
for controlling the center back there. Give us updates and breaking news. And we want to thank you. Remember, today, uh, as every day, if you can donate blood, if you can donate to any of your friends, family out there, please do. And neighbors, look out for one another. And uh, we're all in this together. One step closer, folks. One step closer where we want to be. We're going to give you updates tomorrow on everything. For Ben Maitland, I'm the Sports King, Jamie King. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of Sports King.